ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. Brought to you by Take-Two Custom Teams. Screen printing experience that is dedicated to quality and customer service every time. Hey, Shane. How are you, buddy? I'm good. How you doing, Lenny? I'm doing great. Um, thanks for coming on ATV Talk. I'm your host, Leonard Duncan, and we got Shane the Hitman Hit. How you been, buddy? I'm doing great. I uh, still doing what I do, you know, still working on ATVs. How about you? Oh, well, just trying to raise two kids. Um, I about got them done, though. I got one in college now and one that's 16. So he'll be a junior this year in high school. But if they go back to school, so who knows what's going to happen with all that stuff. Who's going to raise you? Uh, my mom still lives next door. <laughs> Somebody keep in line then, huh? That's right. That's right. I'm not. I refuse to grow up. Well, grown-ups are boring, aren't they? Yeah, I know. It's not what they all said, you know. When they was little, everybody said they wanted to grow up, and now I grow up, and I'm like, I said what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> no, it's not, not at all what it's supposed to be, is it? No, it's boring. So uh, stressful. So now, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's good though. I mean, we've, I've got two kids and, and, uh, they, they both stay out of trouble and they, you know, they're both into sports and they, they ride motorcycles. So, I mean, it's all good. Well, you mentioned to me earlier, uh, when we were messaging back and forth, you still race. What, what do you race? Yeah, no, I race, uh, uh, late model dirt cars. Um, back here in, you know, this area, pretty much the, the whole East coast, um, late model dirt car racing is it's, uh, it's pretty popular back here. There's a lot we, really within probably two hours of my house, there's four or five tracks and, um, uh, they have a lot of big races all the way up and down the East coast. There's, there's two major series. There's, there's the Lucas oil late model series. And then there's the world of outlaws late model series. So they're uh so so we we try to hit some of those which those are tv races um but you know we just basically run locally yeah that's pretty awesome so let's go back in time a little bit how did shane hit get into atvs you know it's um a buddy of mine bought a four-wheeler i had motorcycles just you know little cr80 and kx80 and um, nothing crazy. And then a buddy of mine, Alan, which was my, my brother's best friend, he had motorcycles too. And then he bought a four wheeler, drug in a four wheeler one time. And it was just a, a little Suzuki. I, th- I can't remember what it was like an LT 125 or something. And, uh, I rode it. And from that point on, that's kind of all I wanted, you know, and, and I tried to get my mom and dad to buy, buy me a four wheeler and they kind of drug their feet for a while. And my dad, he uh, had a bar business, him and his buddy. And when they sold the bar, his buddy said, I'm going to go buy me a four-wheeler to hunt on. My dad said, well, I'll go get me one too. So they went and bought four-wheelers at the local Kawasaki dealership. And they were just Bayou 300s. Um, and that's pretty much where it started. When he drug that thing home, I sat down on it. And 
I've never looked back. I took off on that thing eight o'clock in the morning and it would be nine, 10 o'clock at night till I got back or till it broke down, whichever came first. (laughs) (laughs) So, so how old were you about that time? I was probably 14, 14, 15 years old when we bought it. It was a, we bought it in October, October, I think of, of 85. Um, and it was an 86 model. And I can remember that really good because in West Virginia in, uh, 1985 there was a huge flood and uh it flooded i mean the whole state i think got flooded and we had just got it it was brand new and one of the roads were flooded my dad's like well that thing's supposed to float won't you run that thing through that go out there run that thing through that river and see if it'll float well it didn't float so (laughs) (laughs) it was always an adventure so (laughs) well well with a dad like yours i'm sure you know he wasn't worried too much about you no, no, he wasn't worried about me. So, but that's, that's where it started, you know, and we, uh, pretty much went to, uh, you know, our local Suzuki Kawasaki dealer was, I mean, just a couple miles away. So I was in and out of there all the time. And, and, and that being my, or my first four-wheeler was a Kawasaki. So I was, you know, naturally I was a Kawasaki fan from the get go. And, um, and it was crazy cause you'd walk in there and you'd see posters of, Jimmy White and Jackie Meadows and Charlie Shepard. And, you know, from that point on, I was a, I was a Jimmy White fan and, and uh, Jackie Meadows fan, you know, Charlie Shepard and, you know, crazy, you know, like the, uh, the years down the road that we I'd become friends with all of them and got to race quite a bit with, uh, with Jackie and some with Charlie and uh, never really got to race with Jimmy, but obviously came really good friends with Jimmy through, through his deal with, you know, working at, the, you know, the Mickey Thompson series and the, the stadium series and, and uh, all the tire companies and stuff that he worked for and still, still really good friends with uh, Jimmy and, and Jackie both to this day. Wow. That's, that's quite some history there. Well, you know, the crazy thing about it, and I, and I tell Jimmy, I've told Jimmy this, I don't know how many times, you know, when, when I run into him and uh, I tell Jimmy, I said, you know, I went to my first national ever, was a TT race in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, I went up there basically to watch Jimmy. And uh, lo and behold, poor old Jimmy jumps the start, says he didn't jump the start, but they said he did. Either way, they kicked him out and he refused to leave. So he got kicked out of the race. I didn't even get, I never got to watch him race, you know. So I drew all the effort to watch the guy that I, I, you know, I idolized and he got thrown out of the race. So I thought, man, that's how that started. <laughs> <laughs> so you knew how to act from then on, right? Yeah, yeah. So Jimmy was a bad influence. So uh, between Jimmy and Donnie Banks, I didn't have a chance. <laughs> well, I was having a conversation with Gary Denton. And he told me that you lived in Virginia and you grew yeah, up in yeah. Virginia. Yeah, he don't know the difference. Well, he failed history. (laughs) (laughs) No, Gary has been after me. I mean, from, I mean, since I've met Gary and and he knows that anybody from West Virginia, as soon as you say that it gets them riled up and Gary learned that years ago. And, uh, he's the other day, I mean, I put something on Facebook or something yesterday or the day before. And, and of course, Gary gets on there and puts, oh, that's pretty good from a guy from Virginia. And then my Facebook just blew up all these other people from West Virginia. He's not from Virginia. He's from West Virginia. Gary's like, all these years, I thought he was from West or he was from Virginia. And then these guys just freak out, you know. <laughs> it's a Gary, though. I mean, he likes to keep stuff stirred up. Well, from what I've heard about uh, Gary in the old days, 
he kept everybody stirred up. Yeah, I, I miss Gary. You know, I still talk to him a little bit from time to time on, on the phone, and, and we go back and forth at it on Facebook and Instagram and stuff. And uh, Gary was, he was, you know, growing up, he was, you know, the guy. And, I mean, he didn't, he, he didn't back into eight championships. He won them. And uh, everybody wanted to be Gary. I wanted to be Gary. And, and it got to the point after three or four years when I got into pro class, and I, I didn't want anybody to beat Gary but me. I wanted to be the guy to beat him, but I never – I mean, and, and I don't know, honestly. That, I mean, Timmy finally got the championship from him, I think, in 95. But um, I don't know that we ever really beat Gary. Gary just – I mean, he just did what everybody does. He got old. So – or older. Um, he was – he was heads and shoulders above everybody. And I mean, he got, he was started earlier and he's a kid from California and he was out there where all the sponsors was and he could ride, you know, seven days a week if he had to. I mean, he had a lot of advantages on us, but he had a lot of talent too. He's a smart dude. He know. was. I mean, I listened to some of the things, you know, when I was just jumping into being a, a race mechanic and, 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 and learning who some of the people were, uh, Gary was one of the first guys at a Mickey's that he'd come riding by on a bicycle, got off his bicycle and introduced himself and shook my hand and was just from that day on, the guy's been amazing. You know, he's been just a yeah. super great guy. He was, I mean, he was a true champion and, and I, you know, Gary didn't get out. There. I mean, if, you know, if there was something going on at the race that he didn't like, or he thought was, you know, not safe or whatever, you know, if there was a jump or something, you know, Gary would go over, he'd talk to the motor and say, you know, maybe you need to change this or change that. And, and sometimes people give him a little bit of a hard time about it, but I mean, he looked out for everybody and he was, I mean, he was a true, he, he was, he was a champion and, and he did everything right when I was growing up and I would watch what he was doing. I'm like, that's the guy you want to be. I mean, he, he, he had all the sponsors, you know, he, I mean, his bike was perfect. He, he didn't make a whole lot of mistakes. I mean, up till, I think in 95 when he flipped on the tabletop of Loretta's, I don't know that I've ever seen the guy make a mistake, you know? I mean, he jumped to start one time in Pennsylvania and he, he kind of blamed me for, it, but <laughs> it's kind of funny. He told this story a while back. I'd forgot about it. He said that he didn't even know this whole story until that legends race in, uh, Astabula, um, in 2000. And I guess maybe me and Donnie and John Scott must've said something to him, but we'd, Gary always got the whole shot. I mean, he was the best starter ever. And uh, we'd, we'd went to Challenger the weekend before, me and John did, and went done a local TT race. And, and the referee that was there, I can't even remember what his name was. I think it was like Randy May or something. And uh, we told him, said, what are you guys going to do about this Denton guy that always jumps the start? He said, he ain't going to jump the start up here. I'm like, yeah, that's what they all say. But they let him get away with it. Man, we went up there the next week for the national. And I don't even know if Gary moved. And, they red flagged the race and sent him to the tail in the <laughs> third row. <laughs> Gary was so mad. <laughs> and I guess, I don't know if he jumped or didn't jump or whatever, but then uh, of course Gary said, that's your all's fault. You know, you told him, and I'm like, I don't, I don't remember telling Randy May that John Scott told that story, but we might have, I can't remember. <laughs> did, did, did Gary come back and win the race? No, he come back and got fifth. He won the championship that year for sure. Right. Um, I don't know where he ended up in the race, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't come back and finish somewhere close to the front. Cause I mean, those TTs, Gary was really good. I mean, he was, he was solid on motocross and TT both, but you know, there was times on TT where when he was, he was good, he was better than everybody. And, 
and uh, we was always trying to figure out what he was doing, but he was, you know, he was just so far ahead of what we was, you know, he had, he was doing all the shock stuff, you know, we're still running stock shocks and stuff and he had Owens, you know, shocks on it. And I know that, you know, Wayne Meridian was doing some of that stuff over at PEP was shortening his shocks and slugging his shocks and running shorter shocks and longer shocks and different swing arms. And, you know, and he had Wayne Henson. I mean, I don't know that you can get much better than that guy. Yeah. He's pretty so, good. Yeah. I mean, they had, you know, not only did they have huge heavy flywheels hanging on one side, they had this huge heavy clutch basket laying on the other side and um, <laughs> they just stuff that no one else had thought of, you know, they were just, they were just ahead of us. Well, as everybody started catching up, you know, you know, you rode for Curtis for a number of years and then he builds a pretty good, a pretty good product too. Yeah, we did. And, and, you know, and, and I spent well, my entire career with Curtis, other than the one year that I rode for your brother, um, we had been with, I went with Curtis. I think I rode for Curtis for probably about 19 years, something like that. I was probably 17, 18 when Curtis started doing my stuff and, um, and there was a time there, though, when I was riding for Curtis, I'm going to say around 95, 96, 97, I was like the only guy. You know, I mean, John Scott had left. Charlie had rode, had moved over and was riding for your brother at Duncan. Um, I don't, you know, I, it was pretty much just me, you know. So I had his full attention, and uh, he worked on my stuff. And I wasn't, even in those years, you know, 95. 394 95 really i mean i was getting good at the tt stuff but i wasn't no contender for no national championship until probably somewhere around 96 i had a horrible year around 95 i think and in 96 i was pretty good and 97 stuff started coming together and from then on you know from those areas it was a it was me and, and timmy and uh Doug Gust battled for years you know and, and travis jumped in there one year and won a championship um uh, there was a lot of good riders. I mean, if if I look back at the era, the era that I came in, I feel like I was kind of I was kind of lucky because um, the factories were in there right. They just left when I started, um, so I kind of got in and I got to see that one race that I went to. I got to see factory Kawasaki and Suzuki and Honda with you know with Marty Hart and Mike Coe and those guys, Curtis and those guys over at Honda, and then you had Jimmy and Jackie and. Charlie at Cowie and then uh, Gary was at Suzuki. So it was kind of cool to see all that stuff. And then that stuff went away. And then that's when we got into building all of our own stuff. But I got the ride. It was lucky because I got the ride with like, like Gary and, and see those guys, Marty and those guys before me. And then I rode for that 15 years with, you know, with, with Timmy and, and Doug and Travis and uh, Jeremiah Jones and Joe Bird and, and guys that just went forever. Corey Ellis. And then um, still up to the guys that are racing today. It's, it's crazy. I mean, the, the guys that I've met and, and got to watch and ride with, you know, there's really no one left riding the pro class today that I rode with other than, you know, obviously Joel Hetrick. I, when I had quit and sold some of my Suzuki's, I sold them to Joel. And uh, Joel was just moving up. And it's funny because Joel, every now and then, he'll post a picture of him riding a an LTZ 400 Suzuki and still and had, he didn't even take my stickers or nothing off. You know, my name was still on it, my number, all that stuff, you know, and it's kind of, kind of cool to see that those pictures when Joel posts that stuff. What was your, what was your final year? Um, I think the last year that I raced the TTs only, and it was in, I think 2008, I think was the last year I rode, I rode a Honda in 2000. 
seven and eight, um, I had a deal with Honda for TT. In uh, 2007, I think I wrecked and broke my neck and missed part of the year. And then I came back in 2008 because I had a, I had a two-year deal with Honda and rode the TTs in 2008 and um, lost the championship that year to Harold Goodman on TT by two points. Um, kind of was behind the whole year, got in a uh, wreck at Danville, Virginia, and um, ended up finishing last there. And, and it took me the whole year and I to catch back up. And I finally got ahead of Harold. And at the last race of the year, I think Harold ran second and I ran third. I just, I wasn't, just wasn't very good. And he ended up beating me by like two points. And at that point, I, you know, I kind of decided I wanted to go do some other things. And my kids were starting to grow old. And it, it's a lot taking, dragging kids back and forth to the races and just traveling and all the years. It was just a, just kind of was tired, you know. Well, you had a long career. You know. It was it was a long time, and I, there's not a whole lot when I look back that I would change. I mean, I had a lot of fun, and uh, I met a lot of good people, and and that's the thing that I miss. It's not the, it's it's not the races, you know. And probably the last ten years, you know, um, me and Timmy Farr would ride together all the time, and we would just go to Florida and go to North Carolina and just go ride all these different tracks and just have a good time. We just and still today, I love to just go ride, and you get to the racetrack and you're like, man this really isn't any fun. I, I mean, when they put all that, they put that pressure on you and you got to win and everybody expects you to win. And, and really, you know, I put more pressure on myself than anybody, you know, just, you, you always want to do good, you know, and you feel like you're letting everybody down if you do bad. So I just, I mean, it was finally, I was like, you know what, I just want to go, I just want to go have fun and go do something different. So I walked away and, and uh, bought a dirt car and, was going to go do that stuff. And I'm, and, and kind of did start doing that stuff. And then Timmy called me and said, Hey, I'm doing this deal with KTM. You want to come help? So, and that was kind of a relief, you know, it was kind of, you still get to go to the races. You still get to meet people, have fun. You still can ride anytime you want to, but you don't have no pressure. And so I thought, yeah, I'll go do this. This would be good. You have a good time working on that KTM. I did. I did. It was, it was fun. And, and we kind of handpicked our own team and, and we did the GNCC stuff, which was new to us. It wasn't, I mean, it was new for us to, to go do the series. I mean, I grew up here in West Virginia, um, you know, hour from, from, uh, Coombs's headquarters, you know, racer X and, and they, so, I mean, I did the GNCCs when I originally started racing. I can remember in like, 1988, 89, and those years, I can remember racing all the GNCCs, riding all the motocrosses, riding all the TTs. You know, I, I mean, if there was a race, I was going, you know, and it was, uh, and I, and I liked it. So I, and it is crazy living where I live in the middle of West Virginia and, and not racing the GNCCs and going and doing motocrosses and TTs. It just, you know, it was crazy. I mean, I didn't have, I didn't come from a racing family. My mom and my dad didn't race. Um, so it was, it was all new to all of us, but it was fun. And we did it as a family thing and we got to travel and spend time together and, um, not a whole lot I would change about it. It was a good time. Well, that's, that's why we do it is because none of us made any money doing it. No, no, you're exactly right. <laughs> but we had a good time and we got to, we got to see the country and some of us got to see the world. And, uh, didn't you get to go overseas and race a little? Yeah, we went over and we, we raced Pont de Vue. Um, I think I went over there four times, five times maybe. Originally, I went over there 
1996, believe this story, Alan Knowles calls me. I'm headed to Loretta's and says, hey, you want to go to, uh, you want to go to France, run Pont de Vue? And I'm like, dude, I've never been out of, I've hardly been out of West Virginia. You know, now you're asking me to go to France. He says, well, he says, I, I, somebody was supposed to go and didn't go. I, I don't remember who it was. He said, but you're going to be teamed up with Nick Grunland and uh, another kid from Germany named Ralph. I can't remember what Ralph's last name was. And I'm like, well, I, I mean, I guess, you know, he said, well, Nick, Nick, uh, Nick, he'll, he, I mean, just follow Nick. He'll get you wherever you need to. He'll figure out everything out. So I said, all right, whatever. I said, but imagine me and Nick Grunland on the same bike. Right. Um, you know, how do you set that thing up? <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I mean, Nick's probably, I don't know, what, six two, six four. He's a tall dude. And, and I don't know. I, I have no idea what he weighs. He's got to be well in the 200, 220 probably. You yeah. know, and here I am at, you know, five, seven, five, eight, 150 pounds. Are, so you, are like, you sure you're that tall? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm just checking. So, I, I mean, I'm, so I'm thinking this is, this is, uh, this is crazy, but I went over there and rode, and that was the first time. Um, I'd always wanted to do that, you know, because you guys had so so much success over there. I mean, you guys dominated that place forever with uh, with Doug Eichner and Mark Earhart. Um, both were unbelievable riders, and uh, so I'd always kind of wanted to go over there and see that. Of course, I was I, I was really close with Randy Howard, and Randy had been, and uh, Randy was a kid out of Florida that rode for you guys. Um, and he always stayed in summers with me and we were, we were buddies and I know Randy had been a few times and Randy was always like, you got to go him and his father, Ray. And, um, so I'd wanted to go. And when, when I, I Alan called me, I'm like, I don't know if I want to go over there and do this or not with, with, with Nick Grunman and some guy from Germany. I don't know. And I'm going by myself, but you know, maybe it'll get my foot in the door. So I went and, uh, we did, we did, we actually ran pretty good. I think we were running about top five and we had to stay or go out. Every time I rode the bike, I would go out on the bike and, and I'd get two, three laps in and the bike would get hot late in the race. It was probably, it was on the last day, you know, last four hour session, three or four hour session, whatever it was and the bike would get hot and it would start breaking up. And uh, I'd have to, it would finally quit and I'd have to push it back. Two or three people would help me push it back. Well, Nick would get on it, you know, after sit there for a minute or two and it'd start right up. Nick would take off. He'd go, he could ride four or five laps, never miss a draw. He'd come in and ain't nothing wrong with that thing. And I'd get on two or three laps and quit and I'd have to push it back again. And uh, finally, Nick just told me, he said, dude, you're just riding it too hard. You're riding it too hard. Slow down. And I'm like, huh, that's the first time I was ever told to slow down in a race. But <laughs> so <laughs> we ended up finishing uh, 17th, I think, in the race. And uh, the next year, and I, and I really had no intentions of going back. And uh, the next year, um, it was late. The, the Ralph kid from Germany called me and said, hey, uh, you want to come back and do this race again? I'm like, I never really thought about it. I just assumed that, you know, you guys were with CT and um, Nick would be coming back. And he's like, no, they can't come or something happened. He said, you, you want to come? He said, you, if you want to come and bring someone with someone with you and, and build a bike or whatever. And I'm like, oh, so now i got to build a bike. So I said, all right. I said, that's fine. I'll build a bike. So I built a, you know, a, a full legger bike. And uh, Curtis did a 330 kit for it. And, uh, I said, well, I'm going back. I'm taking Timmy Farr with me. So we went over there, and, and we were good. We we led the race all the way to about an hour to go, and, and transmission busted. Um, and I don't remember what we finished, but you know how that race is. 12 hours is a long time. And and we always and I always said after the first trip that I went over there, I said, there's no way in the world I'd ever come over here and do this race with two riders. 
I said, there's no way. I don't, I mean, that's a lot of riding. You guys did it every year with two riders. And I thought you guys were crazy. Um, Mark and Doug could do it, but there's no way I wasn't trying that. And then we, of course we went back and, um, I think in 98, me and Timmy and, uh, Harold Goodman came and we won in 98. We went back in 99 was Lee. We went back in 99 and, and took a, another complete brand new bike. Well, we seized it in, uh, qualifying or hot laps or whatever so all we had rather than just pulling off putting another piston in it or whatever taking the top end we took the motor out of the bike that we had last year that we had sold to a guy he brought to us we just took the whole motor out and set in so now this motor's already got 13 hours on it from the year before and we made it all the way to about an hour to go and it broke a transmission uh, oh. so this motor had almost 24 25 hours on it and uh hard thought after that yeah yeah hard hours and we thought man why didn't we just change the cylinder but we were in a hurry and crunch for time, and it was over there. It was just quicker just to swap the whole motor and never figured we'd ever get that close. But we led all the way back to that, to that. Uh, well, I think it was about an hour to go and, and broke again. And I think I went back one – I did. I went back one more time around 2010 with, uh, with a deal with when I was working for KTM. Went over there and rode with those guys, um, and that was good. But the year that we won in 98 was uh, the year that uh, – I don't know if you went. I know your brother was there. Um, it was the year Travis and uh, Doug Eichner were teammates. And Travis got hurt. Yep. Travis got hurt early. Like, he might have got hurt in qualifying or something. I can't remember. It was either qualifying, the first session. I think it was Doug Eichner. And Doug had to yep. ride the whole thing. And he did. Yep. You know? He did. I mean, I'm like, dude, I mean, every time he'd come around and, and you know, the crazy thing about that was not knocking Travis, but after the races over there, they're on the podium and Travis is picking Doug up, holding him up in the air. And I'm thinking, yeah, how hurt are you? You know, I mean, I was like, that's crazy. I mean, you just let that guy do the whole race. Win it. No, you guys ended up second. Wow. That's I think, good. yeah, yeah. You guys ended up second. I think we, we won. Um, me and Timmy and Harold Goodman ended up winning, yeah, yeah. and you guys got I, you guys got second. Doug Eichner got second by himself. Right. You know, he damn near rode that whole race by himself. And I and I was I mean every time he'd go by, I would shake my head thinking, "Wow, that guy's that guy is nuts." And uh, I think he was he was pretty uh, wore out after the race. I think they had to give him some IVs or something. But um, he was he was done. I mean, he couldn't go no more. But you, you know, you don't see my brother get emotional very often. But when he tells the story about that after the race and 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 Doug just collapsing after they took him off the bike, um, he gets a little misty eyed, you know, because he he earned Doug earned some some massive respect from my brother that day. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's the thing, you know. I mean, I fought all these years, you know, and I've been I'm buddies with Doug, um, and uh, I always thought he was a lot. He was really underrated. I mean, that guy won the Mickey Thompson series. I mean, he won some some national championships back here on in the open class and stuff he was a heck of a rider but it just seemed like he didn't always get the credit he deserved but man when it come to heart i mean when we went to mexico that guy could ride all day long i mean he did 12 hours in france by himself against the best riders on the planet i mean at that time you know me and timmy and harold goodman were three of the best riders and on the planet right you know, and doug eichner he just hung right in there by himself you know you're like how's the guy still going you know but he was a stud he won championships in off-road on the west coast in his 40s 
Yeah. And and yeah, his lap was. times on the last lap were faster than his first lap. Yeah, he's he's incredible. You know, I mean, he was one of those guys that he just he, – he would find that extra energy. And he would just keep going, you know. And I raced with Doug a lot. And, and, and even when we would do that, like the stadium stuff, you know, we would get out and we'd be in heat races or whatever, and I'd see Doug. And I'm like, well, if I can get in front of Doug, I'll be okay. And then when we get to the mains, there was two or three times we get to the mains, and I'm like, man. You know, it was one time at Phoenix, and I knew it, you know. I, I led the, the race at Phoenix for – almost the whole time, one of the stadium races. And it was a, it was a rough race, had a couple sets of whoops and stuff in it. And I knew it was about the one or two laps from the end. I heard somebody, I looked over and here comes Eichner. I'm like, oh, God, man. Cause I mean, he would just keep going. And I was, you know, of course I never took that training thing real serious, but I, I mean, I could ride for a long time, but I just, I just, I mean, everybody, took that stuff serious like Timmy I mean he would take off and go to Florida and ride all winter and stuff and I, mean, I didn't do any of that stuff you know I mean I would just show up and ride you know I just I, ne I never had my own track I mean I always had to either go somewhere or or you know a buddy of mine had a track you know and if it was dusty I couldn't ride because he didn't want to get dust on his house and if it was raining he didn't want to ride because he didn't want me to tear it up knock all his motorcycle ruts down and so most of my racing was or most of my riding was at the races that's why you raced every weekend, huh? Yeah, that's why I tried to race every weekend, you know. And uh, I just like to ride. And, and still today, I mean, every chance I get, I still try to go ride. You know, I mean, probably during this whole COVID-19 thing, you know, there was a motocross track opened up in Pennsylvania called Breezewood. And it's a three-hour trip from my house. And, and me and uh, both my kids, we'd load up every Sunday morning and drive up there and ride all day Sunday and drive back, you know. just. We, I mean, I just like to ride. I mean, I, and, I, and you know, people will see me that remember me from years ago and they'll pull up and want to race with me. And I'm like, I don't want to race. I just, I just want to go out and hit a few jumps. So, but it's, uh, do my thing. Leave me alone. Yeah. I just, I just want to go out here and ride. You know, this one, I, I was riding up there a couple of weeks ago and I looked over my shoulder and there's this number six right behind me. And so I go in a turn or two and it's, it fell off and I go in another turn or two and I'll kind of look over my shoulders right behind me again. And this goes on for about a lap or so. And I thought, what is going on? So I just kind of pulled over. Well, I found out this number six was cutting the track on me. Didn't have no clue who it was. And I thought, <laughs> this number six is cutting the track on me. Well, so then I, I took off and it, and it disappeared. You know, I, I picked up the pace and took off and, and turned around. It was gone, you know. So I come up, my mom and dad went with me that day. And I walked up and my dad's sitting in the bleachers. He said, I know who was on that number six. I'm like, who's that? He said, this, right, sitting right beside me. It was a girl. And uh, she'd seen me at Astibula at, at the Legend Race last year. And she said, I saw you. She says, I had to ride with you. And I'm like, okay. And I said, I was getting a little irritated because I didn't know who kept getting, who, I mean, who, every time I turned around, you was right behind me. So, and it was a girl. When you were with uh, KTM and doing the, and doing the uh, GNCC stuff, um, did you guys have to do any special type prep to keep, uh, the water out of those things and or to keep them cool enough so that they didn't expire early on you we had some uh early on we we had some overheating issues for sure and we come up with some uh oil coolers that we added to them we ended up I think at one point we were running two oil coolers on that thing to keep it cool um we never really had any problem getting water in them um we you know also we ran the stock setup with the air filter and we ran a uh we ran outerwares over top of it, which is waterproof. And uh, I don't know that we ever had any problems with water 
getting in the motors or, or causing them to quit. We did have some serious heating issues that we didn't we didn't catch quick enough. That's for sure. We tested for a long time with those bikes, um, and then we rolled into the first GNCC in, in Florida that year, and we had a kid named Adam McGill, Kurt Kurt McGill, Adam McGill, um, and Taylor Kaiser, which Taylor was from Florida. And that was, he kind of, Timmy kind of handpicked him. Uh, McGill was from here in West Virginia, close to me. Um, so we kind of had, we had McGill, which was close. He was actually in between me and Timmy. And we thought we could use him for some tests. And Timmy has a house in Florida too. So Timmy worked with Kaiser down there. We had McGill up here we thought we'd work with. But we ended up doing a lot more stuff with, with uh, Kaiser down there because Timmy was closer to him. Um, and we went to the first race. And we thought if we could get through that sand pit down there in Florida, we'd be okay. And we did. We ran fourth and fifth, I think, down there at the very first race on that thing. And people thought, you guys are going to be good on these things. Then we won the next three races in a row. Um, and we went to Loretta's, and McGill had won three in a row, and he was going for four. And about a mile from the finish, leading, his bike quit. And Taylor Kaiser was running second, and his bike quit almost right beside him, uh, both overheated. And then that's when we knew – we had some issues uh, probably the between the we, we got the heat and thing figured out but then the manifolds where the carburetors went in those things ripped about we had to put a new one on every race those things would rip a hole in and then they would suck air so there was there was a few little things but that you know, if you remember that bike was the 525 that was the old motor that was an old ktm motor out of a dirt bike um so that motor had i mean it was it was a good torquey motor it wasn't real fast I mean, it didn't make a, you know, it's not something you'd really want to run on a TT race or something like that, but it was easy to ride and it was old and, and KTM had just threw it in there. Now, when they come out with the SX uh, model, um, it was a 450 and a 505. Now that was the, that was a newer motor. Um, and that thing made a lot more power. Um, but we never, we never did race, do any cross country stuff with that. I mean, cause it was a, it was specifically an SX motor. So they wouldn't let us do that thing, but it was, uh, it was, and that was, and it's still to, to, to this day, I think that is the best production four wheeler made that SX 450, 505 KTM out of all the, out of all the four wheelers I've ever rode. I mean, I've got a Yamaha now, uh, that I ride just about every weekend with just a set of shocks on, um, it's got a pipe and an air filter on it. Nothing major done to it. It's got a vortex ignition, but stock for stock that, 505 KTM SX is hands down way better than this Yamaha that I've got. I think, I mean, if you were going to go out and do that production class, like they're doing at the nationals now, I, I mean, I think it's a way better four wheeler, you know, it's wide. It come with a kill switch. It had nerf bars on it, but KTM pulled the plug on it. Well, I, I think they were devoting their resources, you know, to the supercross thing and the motorcycle side of it at that point. And and I know that the 525 that I got to work on, on in the Polaris when Eichner did a little bit of that uh, before he before he switched, um, yeah, that was the first thing I took it out the first weekend in the dunes, getting to test ride that IRS tank, and I overheated it immediately. So we knew I knew going in we have to fix this. Um, so I went a little different route instead of using oil coolers. I did uh, shrouds and changed the cooling system so that it would, uh, I took the thermostat out of it and, and took the, the, um, 
whatever the the our the alter alternate line off the cylinder off of it and and just ran a big giant super cooler on it and that seemed to solve our uh our heating issues for what we did out here yeah see i think the polaris had a different radiator though it seemed like the ktm had a had a bigger radiator than the polaris did because i remember when we first got those bikes hearing that the that they couldn't that it was overheating in the in the polaris models because i think that was the same motor i think yeah, it was just uh, motor yeah, it was the same motor. I remember. I remember stories about that. You know, they said when the players when it come out in the players that they couldn't they couldn't keep it cool. You know, it was it was overheating big time. And and I think that the and I'm I'm pretty sure that the the radiator and stuff in the KTM was quite a bit bigger. But I mean, it still it still had some some heating issues that we had to overcome. But I it was a, kinda, that was I was always kind of leery on where they did the testing on that stuff. They had to have done it in a cooler climate. Than, than they were used to when they came over here and started working on them. Well, they started on a lot of that stuff. I mean, it started in Austria, but they brought that bike over here. and We did a lot of that testing over here. And I'll be honest with you, you know, I worked for Honda and did a lot of the, uh, the TRX 450 stuff. Um, uh, Tim, Timmy, Timmy was working for Honda doing the, the 450, the TRX 450. And that was about a four-year project. And, and then Timmy had got hurt and, they, and uh, Bruce called me to come in because Timmy was hurt. So we ended up spending a bunch of time with the Honda stuff. And then when we moved over to the KTM to do the KTM testing, it's a whole different, it's a whole different ball game what KTM was doing to what Honda was doing. I mean, when we go to like HPCC for Honda to test, I mean, we'd wear a backpack and we'd have all this, like a laptop in it. And then they would build a, on the grab bar, they would have computer stuff in that. And this, these Hondas that we were riding, they had wires, everywhere um testing you know flexing the frame testing heat in the in, in your calipers heat your rotors i mean they tested everything ktm they come over and they throw you on the bike in, in, in the honda they would say all right you're gonna go out and ride this thing for 30 minutes and if and if you came in at 20 25 minutes well then that test didn't count i mean you had to redo that whole thing so i mean i know at one time the grab bar was bent where the computer was setting and we're like dude that grab bar is bent down with trying to tell these Japanese guys that don't speak very well. They, I mean, they hardly speak any English. And uh, they're like, oh, no, it'd be fine. It'd be fine. We're like, okay, whatever. We're about 20 minutes into the ride. Timmy was on it at this point, and it finally snapped off, and it went down and wrapped up in the, the chain and the sprocket and the axle. I mean, it destroyed this thing. These Japanese go running across the field. We were in Georgia when this test happened. We were in uh, we were one of Donnie Banks' tracks. It was a paradise uh, speedway in Macon, Georgia. And so these, these Japanese guys, they, they see it happen. You know, Timmy's on the bike. He don't know that it fell off. And they go running across this field, and they get him stopped. And uh, it destroyed all this stuff. And, well, Timmy come back over, and we looked at him. Well, we tried to tell him. And uh, said, well, it looks like we'll get tomorrow off because there's no way they're putting this thing back together. All these wires. I mean, there's a 1,000 wires in this thing. There ain't no way. Them guys stayed up all night long, and they put that thing back together eight o'clock next morning they were ready to go we thought uh-huh. man we thought we we're gonna get a day off <laughs> but That's they, they 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 put her back together and then but but going back to the to where we were at with ktm they'll just bring you over a bike and say all right here it is go ride the thing and you may go ride one lap two laps come in and say i like this i don't like that or whatever and then they'll they'll change it or whatever and that's it's not the way Honda did things. I mean, they were they were straight up, and you had to be there 
you know, eight o'clock to five o'clock, they would give you lunch. KTM, I mean, we'd go and test for a little bit. And at lunchtime, we'd go to the Mexican restaurant and get drunk and come back and produce some more. So <laughs> it was just a whole different deal. <laughs> wow. Austrians are different than, than the Japanese guys. <laughs> well, it, it, you know, it's kind of hard to, it, I mean, it's kind of hard to argue with Honda quality. No, you never could. Their, their stuff has always been the best. The, the Jap stuff, they compete against each other so much. And realistically, I think until Roger DeCosta went over to KTM, they didn't, I don't even think they ever, you know, the Japanese companies, they didn't even consider KTM a threat. And uh, once Roger DeCosta went over there, you know, things changed. It, it changed the whole, the whole ballpark. You know, I, I'm surprised that you liked that KTM so much. I never liked them. I mean, everything that I worked on them, I mean, maybe I was just too diehard, you know, Honda or too diehard the way the Japs did it. I could just never get into the KTM at all. Yeah, you know, I did. I mean, I, 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 you know, obviously I was a diehard Honda fan after all those years of riding Hondas and working for Honda. You know, the Honda quality, you don't beat it. You know, the reliability, I mean, you can just ride them forever. They just don't break if you, unless you tear them up. Um, but the KTM thing, it was, it, I liked it. I mean, I liked it. The only thing I ever had against the, the SX model was it, it vibrated, but I mean, it was, I mean, I liked it. I mean, it, you know, it had wide A arms on it, it had an axle on it, you know, it came to the kill switch and nerf bars and stuff. And, and I've said all along, I mean, if they would bring it out, that, to me, they brought it out at the wrong time. It was just at that point, you know, ATV racing, it really took off, you know, um, the factories were all into it. You had Suzuki and you had uh, Kawasaki, you had Cannondale, I mean, or, or Can-Am. They, they were all into it at that point. And then KTM brings that thing out. And they were at, I think, around $10,000, $10,200 bucks or something in a Honda. And a, a Honda was maybe $6,200 or something. Right. But still, if you looked at what you were getting, I mean, it, you could jump on that thing and go, go to the track. And the Honda, you know, I mean, it's a good bike. You're not going to race that thing with stock shocks and stock A-arms and stock tires. And, and so, I mean, I don't know. But people could... I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I guess maybe I, I, I kind of like that KTM. I kind of biased to it because we worked on it. We tested with it and did yeah, a lot of work with it. That's it too. Yeah. And, and, but we worked with that Honda too, with, with Bruce for a long time. And, you know, we, I can remember taking, well, me and Timmy was in Mexico one time with uh, 450 Hondas. We were free running. Um, and we were out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, we're, we're like on a hundred mile trip getting ready for Baja and we're out in the middle of nowhere and there's a guy broke down in a buggy and we pull up to the guy and we're, we, we took fuel with us because we couldn't make it that far without fueling up. So we stopped to fuel up and it was a guy broke down and the guy comes over and, and we asking him like, what's wrong with your buggy or whatever. It was an old Volkswagen pre-runner buggy or something. And he was like, Oh, we're not sure. We got help coming. Um, he says, when you get into this trail, can you tell them where we're at? And we're like, dude, it's going to be all we can do to get there before dark. And we didn't have headlights on these bikes. So we had to go hard. And, uh, and then the guy looks at the four-wheelers we're riding. He said, what are those things? I'm like, well, they're four-wheelers. He says, is that that new Honda they're supposed to be coming out with? And we're like, I don't know what you're talking about. We have no idea what they I mean, I don't, I don't know anything. And the guy, I said to the guy, he had on a West Virginia shirt. And I said, where are you from? And he said, West Virginia. I said, well, where at? And he said, Elkins, which is literally – 
15 minutes from me. <laughs> and, uh, and I run into this guy in Mexico, I mean, clean down in the middle of nowhere. And I told the guy, I said, yeah, I said, we'll tell, we'll tell your free run buddies or whatever, where you're at. But I mean, you guys are like right in the middle of this trail. You're 50 miles from going backwards and you're 50 miles to go the other way. I said, so, and it, it'll be dark before we can get there. You know, I mean, we'd, and it, I don't know, some of that pre-running stuff we've done. That, 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 smart. that would have been Oh three, probably. Right, right. The bike, the bike didn't get released till '04, so that would have been '02, '03, somewhere in that area. But before the bike was ever released, so yeah, we were fortunate enough to get one uh, early as well. And we didn't get to go do much test riding on it, but we got to make some pieces and bits for uh, to sell. So that the day they released it, we had parts on the shelf for it, which was yeah. Kind of- I- I know there was a few companies they, they let those things slide out to for that kind of stuff. You know, I'm, I'm sure you guys and, and, you know, some of the other companies, they would let them slide out to, but we, uh, that thing was a big, it was a big deal when they released that thing. That was awesome. And, and we got, we, we caught a bunch of crap over it. Me and Timmy did because we were H HPCC testing this thing. And, and on the, on their outdoor motocross track at this facility that Honda has out in the coffee desert. And their, their supercross track is there too. And so we're testing this thing and Timmy goes out and he wrecks and he dislocates his shoulder. And so they take him to the hospital. One of the motorcycle test riders, um, I don't know who, I can't remember who it was. He was there when it happened. And so he goes, he's buddies with Wayne Henson of all people. So he goes boating and he tells Wayne Henson, he says, Hey, I was out at Honda this week. And, uh, one of your one of your buddies got hurt, and Wayne's like, "What are you talking about?" He said, "One of those one of your one of those boys that rides that four wheeler for you guys," and Wayne's like, "I don't know what you're talking about." He said, "Yeah, that new four wheeler they're coming out with." So he ended up telling Wayne that Timmy got wrecked and got hurt on this new four wheeler they were developing. So, <laughs> so, the, so, the, so then it kind of got out. Well, then Bruce, we'd signed all these all these papers. You know, we're not allowed to talk about this stuff. You know, to nobody. You know, and getting into getting into a Honda facility like that. I mean, you had to go through two gates to get in there. Um, so we weren't allowed to talk to anybody about it and we had to be, keep it quiet for a couple of years. And then this thing got out. Um, and, and Bruce was mad at me and Timmy thought we said something. I'm like, I never said nothing to nobody, you know? And Timmy's like, I never said anything to anybody. And it finally, it was, it was probably six months or so before, you know, they finally figured out what had happened. But yeah, Bruce was mad at us. And we're like, well, we didn't say anything. I promise you, I didn't say nothing to nobody, you know, but. I mean, I they like, keep that stuff covered up. I didn't get to spend very much time with Bruce, but every time I dealt with him, it, it was a enlightening experience. Yeah, he was a he was a good dude, and and he was he was no nonsense, and he was straightforward. If Bruce told you something, that's what it was. So, I mean, if he if he if you signed a contract with Bruce and he said he was giving you eight four wheelers, you were getting eight four wheelers, not seven, not nine. You were getting eight. So don't call and ask him for no more. You right. know, and, and this is what you got on your parts allowance or whatever. And, 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 uh, he was a good dude and he didn't, I tried to be pretty much serious with him, you know, and, and he was, and I liked him. He was, he was a good dude. I, I went, when I went to Mexico one time to do Baja with him, it was, I think this was in 2006, maybe 2006 or something. I went down and he, he teamed me up with, uh, Wayne Matlock. Uh, me and Wayne Matlock rode together and I think it was 2006 and I'd brought another buddy with me from home to mechanic with me and stuff. And, and we're right in front of the hotel 
and I just got off from riding. I, I, I was riding that first 50 miles or whatever to start to race. And so I'd, I'd rode it, rode back to the hotel and, and, there, and I got off and I, me and Bruce was talking about some stuff and I, I said, I'm thirsty. And the guy that was with me and Bruce turned around, there's a liquor store there. He said, well, go down there and get you something to drink and put on your expense report. He says, we, we cover all that stuff. You know that. And the, and the guy that was with me, he was just a kid. He was like, well, if Shane goes to that liquor store. He's coming back with something besides water. <laughs> I'm like, dude, dude, easy now. You can be fired before the race starts. <laughs> but Bruce laughed, you know, and I, it kind of caught me off guard because Bruce, he, he was usually all business, you know, and he started laughing. I thought, woo, I figured I was going to get in trouble with that one. Uh, no, when you're down in Mexico, he's a totally different guy, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He was. He was. A, he was a good dude. I mean, he. I. I mean, anytime I called him and emailed him, and in 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 this industry, it is it is hard. I mean, if you call somebody or or or, or try to get a hold of somebody, I mean, they a lot of times they just don't get back with you. Bruce, it didn't matter. He always got back with you. You know, I mean, I I've worked with a lot of sponsors over the years, and they were. He was one of them that you know, if you called him or you emailed him back then, we did a lot of email. Um, he got right back to you and uh he and he always had an answer for you whether you liked it or not he he let you know well that's so, that, that's all you can ask for because then you know where you stand and if it's no it's no if it's yes it's hey then we're on yeah so yeah i mean that's that was that was the good thing about bruce and well, that uh, he, he loved go ahead and he loved he loved ball i mean that was bruce's deal i mean he just that was that was all he. I mean, I don't say it's all he cared about, but Baja was was definitely was was his passion. You know. Did you ever get to see him ride? Well, it's it's sometimes when we were testing, he would jump on like a dirt bike and stuff and ride, and uh, he was a good rider. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, he he would surprise you because back, even even in those times, you know, I mean, he was you know Bruce was about my height. I think he might have even been shorter than me, and he had a little belly on him, you know. And I'm like, ah, this guy can't ride, but he could. I mean, he'd jump right on, he'd get after it. And you're like, whoa, I didn't, I didn't see that one coming. Right. So, but you got to figure too, I mean, thinking about all the riding he done. I mean, because every time they come up with a, a dirt bike or they tested something, you know, I mean, he was, he was one of the guys that would jump on it and ride, you know. So he was. Even as an older guy, he, he still had to know what it was doing so that he could talk to the riders and, and help them come up with a better fix. Yeah. Yeah. And he did. I mean, he was, he was good. I mean, there was a lot of times you'd, you'd see him hop on Johnny Campbell stuff and take off, you know, you're like, man, you better not wreck that bike. He's going to need that thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Little did you know they had another one somewhere else. You yeah. Know, I don't watch that one. <laughs> we but, went to Baja, I guess in 2000 and it was, we were working for Honda at this point and we went to Baja to do a deal. And I'm pretty sure it was part of a deal with Wes Miller. I'm almost 100% sure it was because about any time I was down there, I, I was got drugged down there by Wes Miller. And we decided to do a build. A, it was the Lone Star frame that Wes Miller got, and we was going to put an XR650 dirt bike motor in it. And so we did, and we had the motor built, and we built it all back in Ohio. Baldwin, Mark Baldwin built it all back at his shop. And we get out there, and we take it through tech. Well, the thing blew up in tech. It just got hot and overheated. It blew up going through tech. And we're like, something's wrong. I mean, everything was brand new. 
And uh, so we get to looking at it and we get out the manual and we're looking at it and all the oil lines, and everything, everything's hooked up right according to the manual. So we go to pull it out and uh, we went over and talked to Bruce because we knew Bruce and a couple of the Japanese guys that were working on the, the 450R project was there because they, they had flew over, worked on that project and came to Baja because they always like to go to Baja. And they're like, so we knew them and they come over and we told them a problem. So they helped us all night long, take, take, you know, pull the motor out and, and, uh, uh, Bruce had given us one of Johnny's pre-run bikes. He said, take the motor out of Johnny's bike and go put it in your four-wheeler. So that's what we did. So the Japanese guy came over and they pulled the motor out and we stuck it in. Well, we got to hook it up. We realized that two of the oil lines were backwards. And we get out the manual and like the manual says, this is the way they go. But if you're doing it in the dirt bike, there's no way you could get the, the lines backwards because of the length of them. So, but when you're putting it in a four-wheeler, you just, you had, we had to make the lines. So we made them and we did it according to the manual. We, we went over and showed Bruce. We said, Bruce, this manual's wrong. Bruce is like, manual's not wrong. That manual's four or five years old. There's no way that thing's wrong. So we showed it to him and he looked at it and he's like, that manual's wrong. He said, I can't believe that. All these years, no one ever noticed that. He <laughs> said, and then he stood there for a few minutes. He says, it wouldn't matter anyway. You couldn't do that in a dirt in, in the dirt bike. So <laughs> right. he was right. I mean, you couldn't do it in a dirt bike because the lines would have never reached. But when you put it in a four-wheeler and you're doing it all new and you make up the lines, you know, you just do it the way the manual does. And of course it blew right up. But that bike had already had like a thousand miles on it. We went ahead and stuck it in the ATV and ran it. It it worked out. So that's so cool. Yeah, you had guys end up doing. I don't know. We finished, I'm sure, because we'd never we were always way too stupid to quit. But <laughs> we uh I don't know how we usually with, with Wes, we was always third, fourth, fifth, somewhere in that area. We just never really could get over that hump. It's hard to win down there if you're not fully with Honda and have all their support. You know, the, the two years that I was really good in Mexico was both years that I was with Honda. And the one year, uh, Timmy and Doug had won. And I, that would have been, that might've been Oh three when the 450 was getting ready to come out. It came out in Oh four. So that would have been Oh three, probably Timmy and Doug was together. Timmy, Timmy Farr, Doug Eichner, and I'm not sure who else was with them that year. And I was on the, they had two teams. I was on the other team and the, and one of the guys that, Bruce had put on the team, which I can't remember what it was. He wrecked and broke his collarbone right, get, right at the beginning of the race. So we were way down, and we'd actually got caught back up. But it was a loop, and it went down, and I rode the bottom part of the loop, but there was no way for me or else to get back up to where the guy was that was supposed to get on the broke his collarbone because he started the race, and then he was supposed to finish the race. And there was no way to get anybody back up there, so we were just stuck. You know, so whoever got on after me had to ride it all the way to the finish, which or 500 miles or something, which was way too far. Um, and by that point, you know, it was dark because at one point they said, well, we'll just land it. We'll just bring this Honda helicopter down here and put you in that helicopter, take you back up there. But they had, they had to, uh, Honda grounds those heli. Well, Mexico actually grounds the helicopters once okay. dust sets in. Right. So, so, I mean, it was, it was too late. I mean, if I would have been like earlier on, they could have got me back up there, but they're like, you know, we got to, we have to ground the helicopter at dust. So there's no way we can do that. So we ended up third that year. And then the year that I rode with Wayne Matlock and the other kid's name was Chad Pruel. Um, we was another deal with Honda. We were really good that year. That was, I mean, that was one of the years where everything went perfect. Didn't have any problems. So, and that's rare in Mexico. Well, it's rare anywhere, you know, yeah. you don't have a, you don't have many seasons that you can just bank with, with no issues. 
that 0405 TRX 450R platform is still, in my opinion, the best desert machine you can you'll ever race. Because we, I think it's, I think it's still better than the new one. Um, I never, you know, when we tested that thing, we tried to get them to do a couple different things with them. We tried to get them to change the transmission gearing in the 0405 before it ever came out, um, and we got them. Uh, we got American Honda to change that, you know, and then we changed to the, I think it was the FCR carburetor on the 0405 model. And then there was a few other changes. Well, then it goes back to, um, to Japan. And, uh, and, and then when it come back from Japan, they changed that stuff back. They wouldn't run that. I think it was the FCR carburetor said it was, it would stick in cold weather or whatever. Well, lo and behold, I think 2006 or something, the bike come with it, but that was, one of the very first things that they changed on when we went to Baja, when we introduced the bike was they changed that carburetor. And so, right. um, and in the they, beginning we ran Edelbrock's, uh, we ran the Edelbrock platform for the first few years, but we, we run ex- exclusively the FCR stuff now. And, and, you know, we won 18, 19. Um, and I think they're leading the points this year on the same platform that I built for the, the Simmons brothers. Um, in best in the desert. So that, that, that platform, even as old as it is, is still awesome. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's a good bike. And, you know, I, I can't believe that Honda doesn't, doesn't release that thing and send it out. There. I mean, Yamaha is the only one doing anything right now. And it's, it's kind of sad, you know? It, it, yeah. That, but it, you have one of those Yamahas. What do you think of it? I don't know. I mean, I bought it cheap. I bought it off Craigslist for like three grand or something. And I did a little bit, put some shocks on it and, you know, put the vortex ignition on it and a pipe and it's okay. I mean, it, realistically it's, it's, it's mainly stock and I, I like it, but it's, it, it, the Yamaha fits me because it's, it's kind of a small bike. So I fit it real well. Um, I don't know. I mean, i I don't know. I mean, really, if I to get a Honda, I would have to do so much to it, you know, to feel comfortable. You know, you'd have to put a arms and axle and stuff on it, you know. And I just wanted something that would I could just go ride and and uh, it's crazy because I mean I can go to motocross tracks and jump everything on the track and the way it is and and you know I mean I'll go to motocross tracks still today and and my kids they ride their dirt bikes and they're and their friends will show up and they're like, Whoa, dude, I can't believe your dad can ride like that. And, uh, I still just go out there and hit everything wide open. And, and it's, it's good. It's not really fast, but it's, it's smooth, rideable power, which is probably good because it allows me to ride a little bit longer before my arms pump up. (laughs) I have a good time, you know? Well, that I like that motor. Uh, I mean, there's some things on the platform that I don't like, but, but that's a good, strong motor. The tranny's really good. Uh, if you run the older style clutch in it, uh, if, in the newer, in the newer version, God, it's, it's a good deal. You know, I had, uh, I worked with Mike Sloan in 2018 when he won the works title out here, uh, in the West coast. And, and, you know, we have that, we have that platform down pretty good. It makes good power. You know, and, and look at Chad. Chad's killing it on that thing, you know? Yeah, well, the one I've got, I've had it for quite a few years now, and I've never put a clutch in it. And I don't know how much time's on that thing. That I can't believe that clutch is still going. 
The only thing about it is that is it always pukes a little bit of oil out of it. I've never put another external tank or nothing on it. I just let it puke oil out, put more in it. But it, uh, <laughs> it, uh, I mean, it, it does run good. The transmission, I've never had any problems with it. It, uh, it always shifts good. And, and uh, the clutch, I think every time I ride it, I'm like, man, I would have been through 15 clutches on a Honda by now. But it, uh, I haven't had any problems with it. You know, I mean, it's, yep. I don't, the, the, the A-arm setup, there's something weird about that deal, that front end. You know, I got I had to get a different set of upper A-arms. But, I mean, it, it seems like it's okay, you know. They're, they're, no, they're not bad. For the general public, they're great bikes. You put an ECU, a pipe on them, and, and the guys can go ride them anywhere and go have a great time with them. You know, yeah, you, have, just, you just don't have any issues with it. No, and it's it's reliable, and that's all I wanted. I just wanted something I didn't have to work on. Um, I got two race cars that I get to work on all the time. Way too much work and way too much money. But, you know, so when I when I want to go ride, I just want to jump on this thing, and I just want to go ride. And so I don't want to work on them. I'm getting lazy. That's <laughs> well, Shane, uh, I'd love to, to continue this, but unfortunately – I have another appointment this evening. Um, would you be inclined to uh, sit down and talk with me again? No, anytime, anytime. You just let me know. Um, like I say, during the week, I'm usually free. Um, weekends, I'm I'm crazy racing during the summer anyway. But no, uh-huh. I mean it's it's been good. It's been good talking to you. Um, it's good to see you. Um, I kind of I miss going to California. I don't ever get to get out, get out there very often. I did make it out to Anaheim to the first Supercross this year, but. Um, I, I definitely I miss being at the races and I, de- I miss meeting all the people. You know, it's it was a lot of fun. Well, like I was telling you in our messaging, this is the first year in thirty years that I haven't traveled, and it's 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 all new to me being home and 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 being a home husband. You know, like some some men are used to being home every weekend to to do things for their wife or to be around, and for me, it's uh, culture shock. <laughs> Yeah, I, I bet it is. I mean, it's just, and it's me. And I don't know what I would do. I mean, I've got two race cars that I get to go race with and, and, and stuff. And, um, and i got two kids that, that just, they're, they're wide open all the time. So, I mean, I'm never, I, for, I, for a guy that doesn't have a job, I'm, I'm, I'm always busy. So, but, uh, like I said, I mean, anytime you guys want to talk or whatever, I mean, just let me know, you know, I, I sent you my, my number. So, uh, I'm pretty easy to get hold of. My son Danny is still a huge fan of yours, and wanted me to make sure that I said hello, and that uh, he was bummed. He's he's going to be here in two days uh, to come and visit. Like, he lives in Idaho now, but uh, he's going to be here in two days, and he wanted to, he wanted to be here when we did this, but unfortunately, you're busy on the weekends, and that's the only time he had. So he, uh, I've talked to him a few times on. Uh, through messenger or whatever on facebook and stuff um now is he the one we stickered up at loretta's yes yeah that's funny <laughs> but he was a little guy <laughs> he was a little guy that's for sure i couldn't even tell you what year that would have been that would have been back in the 90s for sure yes because oh. he was born in 91 yeah so it had to have been like 95 96 97 somewhere in that area i think it was yeah. 95 or 96 he probably, he probably doesn't remember us sticking him up, does he? Uh, I'm sure he, re- I'm sure he remembers it. He, <laughs> he, he loved all you guys. And, and to this day, he still does. He, he just, I mean, 
that he still tells me the little stories that over and over again, but still, you know, getting to go back there and, and hang out with you guys are the, is the highlight of his life. You know I mean? It, yeah. You got to figure we, we got to go do things that normal people in the world don't get to experience. I mean, I tell stories to, to people I meet and, and they can't believe you did what, where, with who? Yeah. And, and they don't know what a four wheeler is, or they don't know that you can race some. It's yeah. some stuff. Yeah. We, uh, we've been blessed, man. And we've been lucky. I mean, I can't, I mean, I can't say that I'd change a whole lot. You know, I mean, I've met, I've got to go a lot of places. I mean, it, it's crazy. I mean, it seems like that every place I've ever been, I've had a gear bike with me, you know? I mean, yeah, I mean, I might've went on vacation, but you know, I, but some way or another, I took my gear bike with me to either ride or go to a race and then I went on vacation or whatever. But, um, yeah, I mean, we've traveled all over, you know, all over Europe. I went to, you know, New Zealand and Australia and obviously up in Canada and, um, uh, covered every inch of that, that Baja Mexico place, but <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's, it's been fun and, and, it, and it's, I've learned a lot, you know, and, and, uh, it's, it's pretty much made me who I am. So it's, uh, it's, it's been a good time. Well, do me a favor, say hello to the family. Make sure you give your mom and dad a hug for me and tell them that I said hello. And, uh, when, uh, we talk next time, I want to know the difference between how you set that TT bike up so well to how you set your dirt track car up. Well, we, we can go through it. Well, I need some, I need some tips still. You know, because I'm still doing this. You know, I'm still going to go do some races and and work on some machines. So I'm going to need some good tips here and there. I, I, you know, I had that TT thing figured out pretty good. So, <laughs> and it, uh, and that TT, I loved it. You know, and I love like, and it's like the dirt car thing, shocks and springs, man. I, I just, I like messing with that stuff, and uh, that's where it's at. So, we'll, uh, Marty, we'll get you up to speed. Marty Hart sure thought the world of your setup. And 2000 <laughs> back there. Yeah, I remember Marty being there. Um, he was impressed. But, yeah. He, and Marty was another one. You know, he's another guy that, you know, I never really, I, you know, the only time I ever met Marty was at, was at uh, the Legends race in 2000. Um, grew up, you know, idolizing that guy, you know. I mean, those, those guys were special. And, uh, you know, Marty raced for a long time. But uh, I never really got to meet him other than at uh, Astigula that year. And I'm, I'm glad they did that. That was a good time. Well, uh, so am I. I, I, I it reminds me, I got to call Curtis. I, 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 Bo Barron gave me his phone number and told me to call him uh, because he's wanted to meet my dad for a number of years because back in the day, he used to buy parts from my dad back before he was, you know, the famous Curtis Spark and Sparks. And, and um, so I got I to gotta call him and set that up. Yeah, I seen here a while back the Pharaohs. I don't know Justin and Joseph Pharaoh. Yep, they were posting some stuff on Instagram or something, and had some. I think had some pictures of your your dad or, or some of your dad's stuff or something. They and bought I'm a like, whole wow. of stuff from him. Yeah, I'm like, wow, that goes way back. And so that was pretty cool. Well, I'm looking for the guys that rode the rigid three wheelers in the '70s when Pops was doing it. Uh, into the early eighties, you know, the, the rigid, the, the old school. Yeah. I, I'm trying to hunt a few of those guys down to talk to hear some of their war stories back 
back in the days when they didn't have any suspension. Yeah, yeah, that's that's before my time. That, I, the guy that would probably need he point you in the right direction is that John Pelham. He was a three-wheeler nut, and uh, he's all into that three-wheeler stuff. That stuff was before me. You know, I was uh, – I, I mean, I'm glad I never had a three-wheeler because I no way I'd still be alive. <laughs> well, back in uh... – in 1977, when they published the first three-wheeler magazine, I was at that photo shoot, just a dumb 10-year-old kid on his bicycle getting in the way of the camera guy, doing things I shouldn't have been doing while they were trying to shoot that that article, and my dad's on the cover. Man, that's pretty cool. Is that that's good stuff. Crazy, crazy history right there, you know I mean? Yeah. I had no idea I was gonna it was gonna do this. Yeah. Yeah, and your look what your your dad and your brother got you into. <laughs> mostly dad. You know, mostly dad. Yeah. Well, Lauren didn't help. I mean, he didn't deter me from doing it, but that's hey, right. Hey, you want to go do that race? Here, here's the keys to the truck. Go. See you later. That's right. <laughs> you know, you want to do all that work? No problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh... but, hey, it's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you very much for taking the time with me. Uh, we really yeah. appreciate you, you, you spending some time with ATV Talk. Um, tell everybody about it. Uh, we are we're going to launch the first episode soon, um, so it hasn't even hit it hasn't even it hasn't even hit the ground yet. I'm I'm booking ep- episodes now, so that when I finally launch it, I don't have to stress a, and not have uh, not have enough episodes, but. Uh, I'd love to sit and talk with you more. Um, All right, man. You I'll just uh, with you. You let me know anytime, buddy. I appreciate it. Hey, reach out to uh, Timmy and a couple of the other guys and tell them I'm looking for them. I will. I'll be on them. All right, brother. Shane, it's, right. It's, it's, an, it's an awesome time. I haven't seen you for 20 years, and you still look like the same kid. <laughs> I don't know about all that. <laughs> <laughs> trust me you do you just look like the same guy so it, 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 I, you don't have white hair like me oh it's getting there it just it's just this ipad's not very good <laughs> <laughs> all right brother you have a great night thanks again all right and we'll good talk talking to you lenny my pleasure right, buddy thanks see you so all right all right bye-bye the team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industry building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all the available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.